All right, boss, tell them who you are and what we're going to talk about today. Hello, and welcome to Messages and Methods. I'm your host, Shelly Carney. Hey, we have an extra show this week, and it's called Leveraging Content to Expand Your Social Media Presence. And we decided to do this because we were doing it yesterday for a mastermind, so we thought, why not do it for everybody? Mm -hmm. And today's the day. So it's a little bit different presentation for what, from what we normally do. It's, uh, it was designed uh, to be given to small business owners, which are all members of this master uh, mastermind class. Uh, so we thought, let's put it up so that you guys have access to it as well. Got the little drum solo in there, huh? Here we go. That is not healthy. I don't know what that was about. Well, that's two days in a row now. I know. We're going to have to yell at somebody. Did you look at yesterday's to see if... I didn't. I should have. If it was glitchy? So... Well, if it starts and it's glitching on us now, too. Yeah, I see that. I don't know what's up. Windows, most likely. I always blame Windows. Anyway, let's get started. No, it's glitching, and it's glitching bad. So you don't want to get started? No, I don't want to get started. Let's uh, close it down and start over. Hi, Jeep Girl Jody. We're, um, we're going to restart this because <laughs> we're glitching. Maybe it's Are not sure? Let's just go. With Let's it. just go with it. Hi, uh, Jody. Um, yeah, we're happy you're on Surprise. lunch break and be able to uh, listen to us. All right, um, let me share the screen with you, and we'll have Shelly kick off this presentation. Kick it, kick it, kick it good, kick it, kick it, girl. Leveraging content to so, to expand your social media presence. Leveraging content. Content is like when you're doing your content marketing. So it's like your videos and your podcasts and your blogs and your social media posts and all that stuff and how you can take one piece of content and turn it into many many and also how it impacts your okay. business and what effect it what she says we're good oh, okay uh and what effect it has uh on the way you organize your uh, marketing departments we're going to talk a little bit about that so there we go. Um, we broke this uh, presentation down into three sections. The first thing we're going to do is talk about how to market after the pandemic because the stats have changed and you need to be very aware of those stats. Now, we're going to go through them, but we're going to go through them quickly because we know not everyone loves statistics as much as I do. Uh, but we want... <laughs> <laughs> but we want you to see them. Uh, and then we're going to talk about dealing with uh, what we call laissez-faire uh, customers. And that's the kind of customer, if you remember your uh, economics, laissez-faire is uh, the attitude to let just let whatever happens happen. C'est la vie, you know, just let it happen. And that's kind of where customers are right now. Uh, they're not interested in engaging 
uh, in a business uh, process unless you actually remind them that they need to engage in a business process. And we mm -hmm. want to take care of that. And that's kind of the result of the pandemic as well. And then how to set your company up for success. If you're starting a business, whether it's a one-person business or a multi-person business or a big corporation, uh, this is how you want to organize your marketing department so that you can uh, take advantage of what we have available to us. Shelly, anything else? Nope. All right. Let's go to this one. Shelly? I'm Shelly Carney, and this is Toby Eunice. We're both Encore entrepreneurs. And what that means is uh, we've had careers. We've come to a point in our lives where we're ready to shift gears, work out of our homes, and work as entrepreneurs online, creating a business opportunity for ourselves with uh, what we already have, including our knowledge and our equipment. Uh, the AGK Media Studio is where we teach other Encore entrepreneurs how to market themselves in the post-digital era. And we have wonderful products, including our Livecast Life 5 Days to Finished Intensive Program, which uh, you, you can start from having no social media to having a uh, Livecast video, a podcast, and a blog up and running in only five days. And then we spend the next three months with you uh, perfecting the process. Uh, we also offer full production support. If you're not really interested in filling your mind with new information, you just want to show up and do a podcast, we can do that too. And then we offer a membership for those who would like to get together weekly and uh, discuss what's new in, uh, you know, in the world when it comes to digital marketing, content marketing, and, and how to improve your business in that regard. And the technology of podcasting and live streaming, because it's in constant change. Um, I want to point out down in the lower left-hand corner, you'll see my email address. So if you have any questions, you can address them there. You can also leave a text, send a text, or leave a voicemail to the phone number listed there. And also, if you'd like a copy of this presentation, because it has some data in it that you might want in the future, you can go to bit.ly, bit.ly slash agkprez. P-R-E-S. P-R-E-S, yeah. That will enable you to download the uh, presentation. Uh, so I'm going to take over at this segment because this is my favorite part, although Shelly has done this presentation, seen this presentation, done it enough times to know the data as well, and I'm sure she'll kick in when she wants to. Every year, um, the uh, Global Creative Agency put, uh, puts out a report, this year's was 221 pages, on the state of the social media market, and that's because that uh, is to whom they market on behalf of their clients. Uh, they also do a presentation, a worldwide presentation that's made available not only to their clients, but to everybody who wants to listen to it. So if you want to see that presentation or download that report, you can go to bit.ly slash tunis. And I've put the link to that page in there uh, in case you're interested. You don't have to go uh, because I've summarized the important points. Uh, and I summarized them first on this slide. And I am not going to ask you to sit here. I have a rule uh, that I don't make slides over 49 words because that's too many words, seven lines, seven words. This one breaks that rule. So I'm not going to read it to you. But if you download the presentation, you'll have access to it. And it's summarized basically on the next several uh, graphic slides. So this is uh, the first one. Uh, 
in in that series. Now, there, again, if you go to their presentation, you'll see a lot more slides than this. Uh, but this one is important because it establishes the uh, the baseline, right? So as of July 2021, when this report was prepared, it was two months ago, there are 7.87 billion people on the planet Earth. Of those, 5.27 billion, or 66%, two-thirds of the population of the planet, uh, use uh, cellular phones on uh, mobile phone users. Now, you have to consider that a percentage of that population is either under the age of, let's say, 10, although I have grandchildren who use cellular phones, uh, and over the age of 70, well, like no, I guess I can't say that, who don't give a darn, but I'm over the age of 70. That's a significantly sized portion of the population. 66% of the population have access and use mobile phones. Um, of that 7.87 billion, well, let's round it off to 8 billion, what's a million here or there, uh, 4.8 billion are internet users and 4.48 billion are active social media users. So the numbers below uh, are, represent a percentage of the population, 60.9% and 56.8%. But here's the cool thing. The cool thing is that 97% of the people who have access to the internet use it uh, for active social media utilization. So that's a big number. I know it's a small number in terms of the population, but a big number uh, in terms of the number of people that have access to the internet. Anything to add? I think that that was the most important point is that uh, the reason we're showing you these numbers is so you have an understanding of how many people are using social media and the internet and why it's the place to be. Uh, I like that. Why it's the place to be. Uh, so uh, also here's uh, uh, some statistics on social media, media utilization. So we take that 4.48 billion number, the number of people, active social media users, um, and as a percentage of the total population, 56.8%, uh, the number in the, ch the, the number, the change in number of people increased by 13.1% uh, or 520 million in one year. Now, the reason that's important is, uh, it had never increased that much in, uh, in previous years, it was always in the six, and I think the highest I ever saw it was 10%. The reason uh, it went up in this case to 13% of the population was uh, because of the pandemic. More people used uh, social media to stay engaged with your family, with their family, uh, I, theirs and our family, friends, and business associates. And those business associates can be either uh, clients or product, pro product or service customers, clients or customers. Um, here's another important number. 99% uh, of the people who are active social media users use their smart device, their cell phone, to access their social media uh, platforms, whatever social media platforms they belong to. So that's another big number. It's just like it's all in their hand now. And that's how they see the world. It's in their hand. And it's one of the reasons I claim that we're in a post uh, digital world. I'll explain that in just a minute. And the average amount of time that they spend on social media during the day. Uh, and I know people who do a lot more than this, but this is the average two hours and 24 minutes, two and a half hours every day, Shelly. 
so the, the I think the overview of this slide is telling us that social media use is continuing to go up. Uh, people who use social media on their phones is continuing to go up. And I believe uh, a lot of this has to do with not only the pandemic uh, and working from home and, and things of that nature, but also people looking for uh, jobs, looking for gigs on online, uh, you know, in, in, in presenting themselves in social media to say, hey, I have a business now, I have an online business. So they're using social media to, to appear there. And also there's a, a larger and larger group of people who have cut the cable, uh, are now streaming all of their entertainment, including uh, watching YouTube, and YouTube would be considered a social media platform. So this has caused social media to blossom in the last few years. And there is a slight possibility that once we're through the pandemic and people don't have to stay home or don't uh, aren't interested in traveling, that 13.1% may go down, maybe back to the 16, I'm sorry, 6 to 10%. It was prior to this year, but I doubt it. I think it's part of the new normal. The new normal is that we are going to engage much more, uh, not only on the internet, but especially social media on the internet. Uh, so this is the the amount of time uh, daily that the average user spends uh, with media. So uh, uh, time spent with internet, all devices, six hours and 55 minutes. Now think about that. That's 25% of the, your 24-hour day. Now, if you take eight hours out of that 24-hour day and you leave, you're left with uh, 16 hours, uh, the, the eight hours for sleep, that means six of those 16 hours. Are, seven. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. Seven of those 16 hours, which is, I can't do this in my head. I was going to say a third, but it's bigger than that, of their day is spent Almost uh, half. using uh, on the internet uh, with all devices, watching television broadcasting and streaming, because very few people uh, watch broadcast television anymore, three hours and 20 minutes. Now that includes streaming and that includes not, not just, uh, uh, for example, watching the news on CNN, that includes watching a movie on uh, Netflix because you are streaming to a television. What they're talking about is the, the monitor. Who, what are they watching on a monitor? Time spent using social media, that same number, two hours, 24 minutes. Time spent reading press two hours and three minutes. And I was totally surprised by that. I thought that was a, a, a big number. It's a 6% raise that QOQ stands for quarter over quarter. So it's a 6% increase quarter over quarter, just reading the news. And sometimes it's physical print, but the majority of that is spent in um, on uh, the internet. And I think part of that could be explained by uh, all the issues that we've had on social media, uh, which skews the, the facts right. and people want more facts. Right. They want to know that this is a trusted journalist who came up with this or an actual doctor who's saying these medical things. So that's why they go to press media uh, to, to get to the validate facts. that information. Right. Yeah. Time spent listening to music streaming services. And we're over in this corner right there, one hour and 33 minutes. Uh, and I've gotten better at that. I like having the music on in my, in the background while I'm 
puttering around the house. Mm -hmm. Time spent listening to broadcast radio, one hour, that's likely the average of all people commuting, because I think that's the only place people listen to broadcast radio anymore. Time spent listening to podcasts, 55 minutes, quarter over quarter. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot of time, but that's, in the case of podcasts, that's a lot of time. I listen to my broadcasts when I'm working out. Uh, I'm sorry, podcasts when I'm uh, working out. Mm -hmm. But as you can see, quarter over quarter, that's a 5.8% rise quarter over quarter. And when you compare that to the rest of the increases of all the other sources of media, the only one that's bigger is press, and it's only by two tenths of a percent. So that's a significant rise in the use of podcasting to, uh, to uh, listen to content. And then finally, the last one is time spent gaming. I can't make, uh, I'm not in a position to you know, tell you more about that because I don't do gaming online. Um, it, it's just not an area of my interest, but it's increased 2.9% uh, quarter over quarter. So uh, this is the one that you should think about, six hours and 55 minutes a day spent interacting on the internet with various uh, uh, media platforms. I'm, I'm sorry, Shelly, did you want to add something? That? Basically, you just, you need to know that information as a an online entrepreneur because it tells you, yes, you have a viable way to reach uh, a whole set of clients online. Yeah. Uh, it This is to give you the confidence that moving more strongly into content development and distribution, uh, as we say, leveraging your content, uh, is actually a good thing and will result in positive business growth. So uh, the, the last... Oh, I went backwards. I'm sorry. So uh, I wanted to highlight the world's most used social media platforms. Uh, Facebook, of course, is number one and uh, beats out everybody by a significant percentage. Second is YouTube. That's important because YouTube is not only a social media platform, it's a visual slash video platform, and it is the second largest search, search engine in the world behind Google, which owns YouTube. So the combination to make them a very powerful search capability. Uh, WhatsApp. Uh, is also owned by Facebook. Instagram is also owned by Facebook. Facebook, Facebook Messenger is also owned by Facebook. So in the one, two, three, four, five, in the top five most used social platforms, four of the five are Facebook products uh, or they own them. So that should give you a sense of some of the things that you need to be doing as well. So that's right. Uh, and uh, you want to keep in mind that Facebook and YouTube for us as live streamers is the easiest as well to stream to. Uh, they are set up for it. They make it easy. They, they, they have simplified the process. So uh, if all you do is live stream to Facebook and YouTube, as often as you possibly can. That's enough um, for now. That's 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 huge. That is is so much more than most people are doing. There are others coming on the uh, market for uh, enabling streaming. One of them is Instagram, and even though it's owned by Facebook, it still doesn't do it very well. Twitter is another. Uh, Amazon recently uh, uh, made available a uh, live streaming capability, but they're very particular about who they allow to use it. Mostly it's for uh, product people, people that are highlighting products that you right. can buy from Influences. Amazon. And then Instagram has a live streaming capability, but again, you have to be 
pre-qualified in order to use them. So mm -hmm. uh, it's getting more and more interesting in terms of the live streaming capability. Uh, finally, the next big thing, uh, as we like to call it, is social audio. Uh, there are 40 different, at the moment, there are 40 different um, uh, platforms on which you can stream social audio. And what I be mean by that, it's live streaming, but audio only. Uh, the way it basically works, fundamentally works, is you open a room, you invite your friends into the room, uh, they do it with their smartphones, and they can engage in the conversation, whatever the conversation is. So you highlight the topic at the top. So if we're talking about podcasting, I could open up a podcasting room to people who are interested, will be notified. My friends and associates on that platform will be notified. They can come into the room. I can start the conversation. Shelly can add to the conversation, and then we can invite you up on to the quote stage is what they call it, unquote, um, uh, to add to the conversation. So it's a very interesting platform in the sense that it's really easy to do, uh, get to. They are all, uh, for all intents and purposes, they're uh, smartphone based um, and you don't have to dress nice. You can, you can do it in your pajamas, not shave. So at the moment, these are the ones that we're, uh, we have participated in Clubhouse, uh, which was the first, and I, I don't know necessarily it's the largest right now. But I it, don't think, I think Discord was the first. Oh, that's but right. You're right. Clubhouse made it cool. Right. That's right. Yeah. Discord is an application that's been around for a long time for interaction on a audio level with your uh, users, with your um, uh, subscribers, but it was designed for uh, game players. Uh, that's how it made its, uh, that's how it made its money. Uh, so Clubhouse was not the first, but it is the one that you're right. I guess that's a good way to describe it. I think it. It they cool. did introduce uh, a way to have it be more user-friendly and <laughs> added additional features that attracted a lot more people. Uh, Discord, I find to be not user-friendly. It's uh, there's a learning curve to using it. And it's not smartphone friendly. Smartphone friendly. It's really designed to be used on your desktop while you're gaming. Well, your game system. Yeah, your yeah. game system, right. right. Uh, Fireside is a newer one. It is the one that was established by Mark Cuban, um, millionaire slash billionaire Mark Cuban. Uh, and it's by invitation only. Spotify, which is a big player in the audio world, established their green room. Facebook is starting one, but hasn't quite laid it out yet. I think it's in beta. Is that what it is? Yeah. Twitter is establishing spaces. And of course, as Shelly mentioned, Discord, there's about 40 of these guys out there. Uh, if you want to experiment or explore it, I'd suggest downloading the Clubhouse app. That's the easiest one to use, install, and find a room that might be uh, interesting to you. But it is certainly up and coming in social media. It's live stream only. There's no way to uh, you know, I, I, I don't see why you would want to play a recording. Um, and most of them, here's the other interesting thing, Clubhouse doesn't like you recording the conversation. You can, but you have to let your users know in advance that you're recording it. So you could use that. There are people who are recording these things and turning them into podcasts. Uh, and I think recording it is getting progressively more uh, acceptable. Anything to add? That's it. Okay. So the big question is, where are you on the social media map? And I don't mean you personally, uh, because all of us should, you know, all of us have our way of communicating with our friends and uh, loved ones. The question is, where are you uh, on the social media map in terms of your business? What impact are you making? What are you using? How are you doing it? How are you trying to make that impact? We're going to talk a little bit about that.
So uh, Shelley used this phrase earlier, the post-digital world. So um, I wrote, I, I used to write uh, a series called The Information Revolution. And in that, I identified 1963 as the transition from the industrial age to the information age. And I didn't, that was my idea, just kind of, there were things happening. Computer World was first published. It was the year that IBM announced the the uh, 360, the IBM 360, you don't know what these are, but it really was the beginning of how we saw ourselves in the context of information in terms of the industrial age. And if there's anything that validates kind of that theory is we can see how the industrial age has changed in America. We're no longer an industrial nation. We're an information nation. And the industry has gone off to uh, other countries like China and India and people who are uh, interested in doing that. That's why almost every product you buy now is made uh, in either uh, China or India. Um, so we called, uh, so there was a period in which the information age included the digital area era. And the digital area era was, I'm sorry, I don't know why I keep using that word. Uh, the digital era was the point at which all of that computing power was made available to the consumer. And it started with desktops, the IBM desktops, the Apple desktops, uh, where you could have it in your house, connect to the internet, even though the internet at that time was terribly slow. But we started becoming accustomed to the idea uh, that we had access to the digital experience inside our home. I want to point out this was not the digital age. It was the digital era of the information age. Now, I have a long presentation about how these eras have changed, how these ages have changed just by an order of magnitude. And I'm not going to go into that right now. But if you want to have a boring conversation with me someday, ask me about it. So we feel like we're in the post-digital age. Uh, uh, we're no longer dependent upon having technology in our homes uh, in order to uh, be part of the information uh, age, the information revolution. Um, and uh, the other thing that happened is that digital uh, technology has migrated away from just the desktop computer into literally every appliance in our home and the car we drive. I recently purchased a car and um, and uh, I was informed, uh, they showed me a, a skeleton of the car and the network that was inside the car, the network of microprocessors in the car. The car has 256 micro microprocessors all connected. And so it's become part of this post-digital world where it's not about the computers. It's how uh, the computer is providing me the customer experience. When I drive my car, it is the coolest thing in the world simply because it does so much, including uh, preventing me from making old man mistakes is how I like to describe it. But it's amazing in what they've done with the technology, this post-digital technology is the customer experience. I like bragging about my car uh, to my friends, not because I'm, not because I'm a sh schmuck, you know, but because I love my car and what it has the ability to do. And that's the customer experience I'm having. So that's what it's about. What is the customer experience? And how do you take that customer experience, become, make it interactive uh, with whomever your customer is and uh, make it so that you're not, uh, because this is how it used to be, handshakes and business cards, I, I like to call it. 
the, the, the past used to be handshakes and business cards. We're not going to do that anymore. There's not going to be any handshakes, no exchange of business cards. We're going to be talking with one another like we are today in a live stream with live chat and maybe even phone calls, right? So that's where we are. Shelly, did you want to add to that? So the reason we wrote the customer's experience rather than the customer's journey, you may be familiar with that. You may be familiar with the marketing funnel. Uh, you're bringing in the funnel and in the customer journey, there's one entry point, right? Everybody comes in at the same spot and they all go through the funnel and end up, you know, and then some people leave the funnel and you get the people who are really interested down in the bottom who work with you. That's the funnel. That's the customer journey. There's one path, but with the customer experience that we're talking about, there's more than one door that leads to that funnel. There's more than one way to get started on that path. Uh, you can come in at Facebook. You can come in on YouTube. You can come in uh, through a web page. You can meet somebody in a Zoom networking meeting. You can meet somebody in a live event. You can uh, hear about somebody on a podcast and go read their book and download their free uh, lead magnet and get in on their email list. This is an experience. This covers so much more than just come in at the top and come out at the bottom. Right. Yeah, um, uh, I do. Uh, I also wanted to point out that those uh, all those links that I mentioned earlier are in the crawl that's scrolling across the screen right now. So if you if you don't remember them, so uh, this customer experience we used to say content is king. Uh, content is best past being king. It is a tool that you use to enhance the customer's experience. So customer experience is king. You have to ask yourself, how does my customer feel after having engaged with me? Do they feel good? Do they feel bad? Are they angry? Will they come back? Et cetera, et cetera. They need to feel like I feel about my car. I love my car and uh, I'll recommend my car because it was a good experience, not only purchasing that car, and I'll explain to you why it was a good experience. I'm gonna use my own old man experiences here. My groceries come from Walmart. I order in the evening, although I could order in the morning, and they're delivered to my doorstep, literally to my doorstep the next morning. And it takes me about five minutes to make the order. It avoids having to go to Walmart, which honestly is only five minutes away, and having to walk through the store in order to collect all the items from my grocery and check out. It just shows up on my front doorstep like magic. Uh, Amazon, everything that isn't a consumable, not everything, but most everything that I need uh, that is not a consumable comes from Amazon. It comes to my front door. eBay is where I go when I can't find it on Amazon. Uh, for example, I was looking for a lens shade the other day that is not manufactured anymore, so it's not on Amazon. Found it on eBay for 11 bucks showed up at my door. My health care is provided through the Veterans Administration. I don't go into the Veterans Administration. I have a telehealth call every three months. If I need anything, I send them a text message and they say, okay, here's what you do. I, it's, I'm, it's time for my annual eye uh, checkup. And uh, so they said, here, call this number, send an appointment, and they will send you outside services there in where you live in Bernalillo. 
Uh, so even my healthcare is being provided by telemedicine. And honestly, when you think about it, some of you know that I have a the pacemaker defibrillator installed in my chest. There's a device that sits by my bed and every night it collects the data from that defibrillator and it ships it to a VA hospital in San Francisco where someone looks at it, I hope, and says, well, he survived another day or what? But again, it's the customer experience. I mean, my relationship, I don't know about you guys, but I know a lot of people who are never happy with their uh, relationship with their doctors or dentists. Or, it's always something. I brag about the relationship between me and the VA because it's so good and because they're so caring and because I have access whenever I want. If I want to contact my uh, primary care physician who I've had for several years now, I can send a text message and I get a response the next day by sometimes sooner than that. Uh, but within one business day, I have a response telling me what I need to do. I told you my automobile story. I, I had a truck. I wanted to trade it in on a car. We weren't going to use the truck because we were not searching for treasure anymore. Um, I wanted to trade it in on a car. I got the trade in online. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I sold the truck online to, to a company that buys the vehicle. Now, I didn't actually close the deal. I just got a number that said, here's what we would pay you for it. And I was happy with that. Um, I uh, went online and got a loan from my bank. And basically, it was a blank check loan. And they sent me a blank check. I went to the dealer's website. I picked the car that I wanted uh, because it had, you know, the colors, the features, everything that I wanted. And I, I identified that car as I wanted. They gave me a price on it. It was a little bit higher than I wanted. So I went in the next day. Now, normally, as you probably know, the process of buying a car is lengthy and sometimes painful. And I don't mean physically painful. It's just like, oh, isn't there a better way to do this? Mine was I walked in, showed them what they needed to give me for my trade-in. Otherwise, I would sell it to the other guys. Showed, showed them what I would pay for my car and showed them the blank check uh, and asked them how, how much they wanted me to fill it in for. Well, they did the whole general sales guy, you know, sales manager guy thing for one trip. I crossed it out and I said, no, this here. And they came back and they said, okay, I filled out the check. I had to go to the finance guy for, so he could sell me some more stuff. I didn't buy because I already wrote the check, right? So it was the least painful experience that I've had ever buying a car. Now I'm 72 years old, honestly, and I've bought a lot of cars in my life. So I've gotten progressively better at this. But the fact that all of this was done online before I even showed up at the dealer to pick up my car effectively, the longest wait I had was they had to prep the car. I mean, I had to wait an hour while they prepped the car. So, um, so that was all done online. And of course, information technology, everything I need online in terms of tools and technology is available to me online. I don't have to go anywhere else to get it, whether it's uh, data, whether it's information, whether it's resources, whether it's pieces of technology, um, I don't... Um, I don't need it. Yes, uh, Jeep Girl Jody, I did sell the red truck, but I bought a red SUV to make up for it. So I needed something just a little bit more comfortable. <laughs> Shelly, did you want to add to that? Yeah, uh, as a encore entrepreneur, a solopreneur, you do not have the wherewithal to do everything that Walmart, Amazon, or eBay, or your healthcare provider can do. They are big companies. You are one person. 
So what we suggest is you start off small, right? But you keep in mind, what do I like about working with this company? And how can I do that on a small scale for my customers? You know, what can I provide so that they'll come to me instead of going to a bigger company? What makes it special to do business with a solopreneur is that uh, personal relationship, right? So build that into your customer experience. And let me let me uh, take what Shelly just said and, and give you an example in our uh, experience. So we had a, a prospect uh, who wanted to take our one week long, I like calling it boot camp. Uh, Shelly has a good name, a good marketing name for it, but it's the one week long boot camp. And uh, she finally called us and let us know, contacted us, and let us know that she wanted to take it. We sent her a contract. Uh, she signed the contract online. We sent her an invoice. She paid the invoice online. And then for one week, we went through the course. We have never come in contact with this uh, client. Not that we don't want to, but we were able to do everything from prospect, suspecting, prospecting, engagement, contract, invoice, delivery products and services uh, without ever having left the studio, honestly, I was going to say, without ever having coming in physical contact with her, but literally without ever having le left the studio that we're in right now. So uh, that may be different for you. You might be selling products instead of services, but I'll give you an example of a product. Um, my daughter, Sean, as you guys know, is an artist. You can buy all her products on Etsy. Uh, she has a complete catalog on there. You ordered it. Some of them will require printing or some other kind of manufacturer. She has the amount of days that it takes to do that. And then she ships it to you. And in that case, you don't ever actually have to meet her. You just order it. And then you make a comment. She responds to your comment, et cetera. You have a way to reach out to them. So you can do this with services, especially with services, or you can do it with products. And uh, you shouldn't be afraid to try either. Um, I know a person who buys books on eBay and sells them on Amazon as used books. I know that they go sometimes to library uh, sales. You know how libraries will discard books that aren't being read. They buy boxes of those books and they put them on their Amazon store and they make money. Now they do have to go out to get those books. Uh, but the simple fact of the matter is that's easy enough to do. And then you can put them on your in their Amazon store and sell them the, as used because Amazon allows you selling used things uh, and make money selling used books that you bought at effectively wholesale. So let me see. Uh, oh, so here's an interesting, let me, let's talk about what Jeep Girl says. They are changing all over door locks and thermostats to digital in our apartments, all controlled by our smartphones. Uh, we will see if it is good or bad. It, it, it will only be as bad as you let it be. Uh, because by the time these applications, I mean, uh, there are people buying refrigerators that communicate digitally, not only with them, with a large screen on the door, but with their smartphones. Uh, for those of you that have used a ring doorbell, I've had the equivalent of ring doorbell now for three years. Uh, and when the doorbell rings, I get a notice on my phone. I get to see who it is. Uh, you, you, you know. Uh, so I think it'll be a good experience as, as long as you have an open mind for it, uh, Jeep Girl. 
But again, that's customer experience. If you have a bad experience in this digital, you know, implementation uh, that you're going through, uh, then you're going to let people know. So it is all about the customer experience and not how much. And I've noticed the other thing that I've noticed is you're not going to get a lot of instructions. You're going to get like we changed it, open up your app and you'll see how to use it. So part of the customer experience, you know, as well as I do, that part of the uh, customer experience involves how much reading you have to do about what you're using. I still haven't read the manual on my car. Now, I'm probably doing myself a disservice because I've been in situations where Shelly is with me and I'll say, the car is doing this. Would you please look in the book and tell me what it's doing? Uh, because sometimes it'll do things that I don't expect it to do. Shelly, anything else? Or mm -hmm. did we cover that pretty well? Okay, so here's the fundamental of a, of a uh, uh, relationship building or the customer experience. And that's what that line, that diagonal line represents, the customer experience. And it goes in stages. This comes from a course that I used to teach in sentient selling. And uh, so the first level is visibility. That means they've noticed you. And uh, they've noticed you on social media because you're doing things on social media. And they say, oh, I want to do this uh, with, I want to maybe do some business with this person. The next level is credibility. And that comes after they look at you for a while and they say, I like what this person is saying. I like the way they say it. I'm learning from them. So they're, you're picking up credibility with them. The next level is the point at which they start to do business with you. And that's the level of trust. You've gone beyond credibility and they're prepared to say, I'm willing to spend some money with you because based on everything that I know about you right now, my customer experience with you, everything I know about you is good and positive. Now, it is likely that that's the point you're going to start doing business with them. You might do it come credibility time, but it is more likely that someplace between credibility and trust, they're going to want to do business with you. The next step is transformation. And transformation is the point at which they call you and they say, I'm doing something different with my business. I'm planning to change my business and I would appreciate it if you would help me with your input on how you could be a part of that business change or a part of that personal change. It doesn't have to be a business. So the relationship is the point at which you're not, they not only trust you, but they trust you enough to say to you, help me be better. That's the transformation. And when you've got that kind of client, and Shelly and I were talking with one of our clients yesterday, we may not hear from her for six months. But when, he, when we do hear from her, it's with transformation. I'm planning to do this. I haven't taken any steps. I would like to talk to you about what impact you could have on me doing that. It's a positive one. This same customer a year ago during the pandemic called us to have a conversation about whether or not she was going to close her business and, and just get rid of it entirely and go do something else or change her business. We had a long conversation. We had a long set of conversations. We made a proposal and the proposal basically said, don't close it, change it. And here's how you changed. Well, she didn't select our proposal. She didn't choose our proposal, and I'm not sure why, but that's up to her. Uh, it well, wasn't. She ended up doing pretty much the same. That's thing, what I was going to say. Instead yeah. of having yeah. hired outside of. Yeah. Her so she went ahead and took what we recommended and implemented it in house. Mm -hmm. Now we're not we're not upset about that. She's no. our not only our. She still followed our advice, client, so. but yeah. Ew. 
but she, win for us. <laughs> she had the, and I think that's why we still have that kind of relationship yeah. because what the information we gave her was easy enough to implement that she could do it in-house, not have to pay someone to do it. And I respect that. Those were difficult economic times, so she had to do it as inexpensively. I've noticed that a lot of the people that we saw before the pandemic are still there, meaning she kept all the employees that she could in the process. So it was a good it was a good relationship in that sense. And yesterday or day before when we talked to her, um, she did it again to us. We, you, we need to talk. I'm going to do this now. And I want to do more of what you're describing in your presentation. Uh, so let's get together and, and have a chat. So we don't know where it's going to do that. But when we hear from her, it's always at those business changing points. I want to do something different. And I want you to be involved at the beginning of that process. So, Shelly. So, Here's what you're seeing on screen. Uh, for those of you on the podcast, you're not seeing this, but let me explain it to you. So uh, going, it's it's a square, uh, but it's basically, it's a graph, right? It's a, it's a graph that takes time and money. And money could be replaced, I believe, by presence. And up the graph, we have visibility, credibility, trust, transformation, and relationship. The fastest way to get up that hill is to speak and sell from stage in person. That is uh, what has been shown to move people most quickly to that transformation stage. Uh, Second to that would be speaking and selling from an online stage, doing a webinar or um, a mastermind or uh, just a live stream. The more you do that, the more you build that relationship with people. So that's why we recommend what we do. And then right below that uh, is to do it as a podcast. Uh, Of course, when people see you, there's that additional um, visual connection. But when people hear you on a podcast, they get that audio connection. So that's almost as good as that video. I just changed that slide to say presence because I realized you're absolutely, A, you're absolutely correct in that, in terms of the X and Y access of that. And uh, B, what I meant by money was the investment you'd have to make in engaging with a client. And that was back from the old days of, oh, I got to travel down to Atlanta again. Mm. And I got to spend three days there again, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You're right. It's about presence. Yeah. So yeah. high five. Oh, I just, I just improved your model. You sure did. <laughs> That's how that's supposed to work with a partner, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so um, here's, uh, I'm going to make a set, we are going to make a set of several uh, recommendations here because we don't want to leave the presentation without having made recommendations to you. Here's the first one. Uh, Get yourself to the point, uh, with help or otherwise, where you are live casting uh, to YouTube and or Facebook at least once a week with a subject that is important to you and hopefully as important to other people. Now you ask yourself, and this is a question we get most asked, uh, asked most often, what do I talk about? We talk about the things that we talk about. So Shelly and I have these conversations and Shelly will say, you know, we need to record that or we need to take it into, turn it into next week's podcast or, or whatever. So the first thing that we do is the idea comes along. And if an idea strikes you as unique or interesting or might be interesting uh, uh, to other people, then that's the point where you want to talk about it. 
Now, we have the benefit, of course, of being a team. So it's real easy to do one of three things for us. Number one, we can pick a topic and have a conversation about it. Because as I've said in the past, one of the things that's uh, really great about my relationship with Shelly, and one of the things that I admire her, is that she can always hold up her end of the conversation. It may not be as technical as my end of the conversation, but she can always hold up her end and add to the conversation as she did uh, on that last slide. So that's one way to have it. Have someone that you have a conversation with. If not, just have a conversation with your uh, anticipated audience. Even if you don't, if you only have four people in the room, if you have zero people in the room, talk to them like you're having this conversation with your audience. It doesn't have to be one hour long. It can be 20 minutes long, but go ahead and get in front of that camera and start doing it once a week on a topic that's of interest to you. Even if it's not a business topic, it could be world sand project where you're just talking about sand, right? So you can do that. Uh, the second style is what I call the presentation style. The presentation style is what you're seeing right now. Now, this is, again, easier when there are two of us, uh, but there's no reason why uh, I couldn't do this presentation on my own or Shelly couldn't do this presentation on her own. So you have presentations that you could give uh, on your own. And the third style is if you don't have an idea, find an, a subject who is a subject matter expert in the same area and interview them. Uh, set them up. You can invite them uh, onto the show and you can ask them, write down 10 questions, you know, uh, and work with that 10 questions, interview them, and you're going to get a lot of information. Now, um, at the same time, you want to be able to interact with whatever audience is out there by using your live chat, live chat or inbound or outbound phone calls, because we've done that as well. I do want to point out that uh, when I say Facebook, uh, we're going to talk about this in just a minute. We use StreamYard, and StreamYard enables you to uh, uh, to stream to eight up to eight platforms simultaneously. Now, that's if you have the pro version, which will cost you $49 a month or $39 a month if you get the year-long subscription. Uh, so right now, we're going to five different Facebook pages and two YouTube channels uh, all at once. So you're taking that one piece of content and uh, spreading it out to at least eight of those platforms just to start with, without any effort at all. Show. And that's, in fact, the reason that we're live today, instead of just recording this presentation and putting it up on YouTube, Toby said, uh, we'll miss out on sending it to all these other places if we do it that way. So let's do it live. Right. And and if it's at a time, if it's in an off time where you don't have an audience necessarily, you've still got the content and you've still distributed that content that one piece of content. And we're speaking extemporaneously. Now we have the benefit of slides and we have the benefit of knowing about this stuff more than just the presentation, but we're speaking extemporaneously off the cuff, uh, which is redundant, I guess. But um, we're going to those eight different platforms at one time. Uh, and that's, to me, who used to live in a world where you would record a bunch of stuff, then you'd spend four times as long editing it, mm -hmm. and then you'd have to upload it to every platform that you wanted to. This is going live to all eight of those platforms. Now, I don't know about you, but I have followed many, many influencers and uh, marketers over the years. And when they want to create excitement, they'll say, I'm doing this live. Everybody be there. And uh, I, I recently, um, there was a, a, a 
a, a person I follow, James Wedmore, he has his own podcast and he has his own business where he teaches other people how to start their business. It's called Business by Design. And normally, and he he has a degree in filmmaking. So he normally would create a series of videos that he would then release to the public, try to get them excited about it, try to get them to watch the videos and and then, uh, and then at that point, after they've watched the videos, then they would move into his course. This year, he said, no, let's do it live. And the reaction he got was everybody showed up excited to be there, excited to have that interaction with him and to be able to ask their questions and have them answered or just to be there live to see everything that's happening in the moment. That is like live theater. It's very exciting. And it's got a higher perceived value than a recorded video. So that's why we do things live. It has a higher perceived value. It has immediacy. It has scarcity. You got to be there if you want to be there to interact with us. You got to be there when we're live. And it just, it increases how many people watch the video, how many people act on the advice and the relationship grows that much faster when you do it live. Now, one of the uh, things that you're going to have to live with and get comfortable with is that when you're doing something live, there's a chance you're going to make mistakes that you can't edit out. Uh, and as you have seen already, there are times where I advanced a slide too far or went back a slide too back, uh, et cetera. So we've, we know we've, we're going to make mistakes. We know in this case, we've already made mistakes. We're not going to let that hinder us. We're going to keep moving forward because uh, the audience eventually will forgive you for those mistakes. They may even think like, oh, Toby, he can't seem to get his slides organized right. Um, uh, but don't be bothered by the fact that because you're doing it live, uh, you could subject yourself to the potential for some kind of mistake making. You're not going to make any mistakes uh, that are going to be big enough that people are going to say, what a complete idiot. You know, <laughs> if that happens, then you can say, oh, we're going to start over. But then they may end up watching just to see how much. Yeah, how much worse it gets. So yeah, exactly. It's like watching a NASCAR race. You're just waiting for the accidents to happen. Okay. So I'm going to let Shelly take on this slide because uh, this originally was her idea. And then I'll pick up afterwards. Shelly. All right. For those of you listening to the podcast, we recommend you download the slides at bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash A-G-K-P-R-E-S, um, because this is a very visual slide and it's going to be hard for us to explain it to you. This is called our creative campaign framework. It's how we leverage our content. We start off with the live video. That gives us video, audio, text and uh, images that we can use, all four types of media, right? So we have the video file and the audio file. The video file, we can edit uh, clips out of it and put it up in other places that are more, uh, more accepting and more promoting of small, short uh, videos that are under 60 seconds, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube shorts. Then we have an audio file. We can put that out as a podcast, and we can also uh, transcribe that audio to written. Uh, then we can edit that 
into a blog that we put up on WordPress. And we can also pull out quotes um, from that uh, text uh, that we can then turn into a quote car. We can add an image. Uh, we, you know, we can manipulate that text in many, many different ways. So that is how you can take one live video that it took, you know, 30 to 45 to to 60 minutes to create, and then you have a week's worth of content each week. And it's not just a week's worth of content on YouTube and or Facebook. It's a week's worth of content on WordPress, WordPress on the various uh, blogging platforms, on the various short form video platforms. Now, that audio file actually has the benefit of going to, in our case, the benefit of going to anchor.fm, which is our podcasting host. But the other thing about Anchor FM, it's, it's also a podcast distribution platform. So it not only hosts your podcast, but it then distributes it up to uh, 10 other podcasting pl platforms. You'll see them listed here, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, CastBox, and Overcast. The reason Spotify is so important, because I mentioned to you earlier that Spotify is one of, if not the biggest player in that audio-based social media uh, platform, it bought Anchor FM. Uh, it, it had its own podcasting site, uh, but it bought Anchor FM because it, way, it liked the way Anchor FM uh, was uh, being used and is working. And then, of course, the other thing about Anchor FM is it uh, automatically creates a WordPress blog for you. Uh, and then when you upload your most recent podcast, it automatically populates your WordPress press blog with that uh, with your most recent uh, podcast. I was going to say something else. So you said video, audio, text, and images. Oh, there are a couple. Of, there is one product that we use up here. It's called Descript, uh, and it's what Shelly uses. Shelly's gotten very good at it. Uh, it's what Shelly uses for doing the editing as well as uh, creating the uh, sixty-second clips. It it gives you the ability to combine. It, it lets you edit something, but it edits it in the context of video, uh, audio, and text. So if you cut some of the text, if you delete some of the text, it deletes the associated audio and video. It's a very cool tool. It is a subscription. They do have a free version, uh, but the professional version is what, 39 a month? Something like I that. I don't know. You don't know because you don't pay. I paid on and one other thing that uh, when the, when you give your podcast to Anchor, they give you an RSS feed uh, link. So you can take that link, and if there are any places that they're not sending it that you want it sent, you can then send it yourself, such as Amazon. So we also uh, send our RSS feed to Amazon Podcasts so that people can ask their Alexa to uh, subscribe and play those podcasts whenever they come out. By the way, this is a new feature that Amazon has added to its Amazon Music. They now do uh, podcasts, mm -hmm. so it's kind of cool. But the point we wanted to make and that uh, Shelly made early on, we have one piece of content, a video, and that single video that we live stream. No editing, no nothing. There's mistakes in the pod. If we make a mistake today, there'll be the mistake in the podcast, right? Uh, but that one video turns into all this other content with uh, with a very little effort. So keep that in mind as you're building and your content. And that's weekly. So when you add it all up, uh, say you take 12 weeks worth and you put it all together, now you have a book. 
And and if you're interested in seeing or the results, a, a book or a course like we mm -hmm. are with our uh, episodic series. Uh, and if you're interested in seeing that, go to Google and enter messages and methods, and it will show you all the content that we create, basically. Okay, so the uh, is this the second recommendation? The second recommendation is to focus on building your email list. Uh, email list is critical to a small business owner. Um, and you have to find yourself a very comfortable email service uh, provider. Shelly has explored this area more than I have. So what would you recommend in terms of email service providers? It's sort of, uh, it's, it's, they're all very similar. The one that is highly recommended for uh, customer service, even at the free level, is uh, ConvertKit. Um, you can you can try that out. They have a lot of videos that that walk you through tutorials that teach you how to create a landing page for your lead magnet. They they walk you through how to do all the automations of the different email types. Uh, we also use GetResponse. We've used Mailchimp. Um, they're all very similar. Uh, use what works best for you. If you already use one, great. If you haven't tried any yet, I would suggest maybe trying ConvertKit and see if that works for you. And uh, they, most of them all have a free level, so you can try them out, see if you like them, see if they're easy or hard to use for you, and then uh, and then stick with what works best. Now, that email service provider will enable you to create a landing page. It doesn't require any programming knowledge. It's basically a, uh, what do they call it? Drag and drop. Drag and drop. So you can create a landing page, and on that landing page, you can make a lead magnet. And they magnet. give you templates, too. So right. all you have to do is choose a template, change the wording to whatever it is you want it to say, and, and you're ready to go. And on that landing page, what you're doing is exchanging uh, something referred to as a lead magnet uh, in order to get the email address from the individual. The question they have to ask themselves is, uh, is the lead magnet that Shelly and Toby talking about important enough for me to give them my email address because they know their email address is going to be added to a list and they will start getting whatever, uh, you know, emails you're sending out. Now, for those of you who are uh, familiar with Shelly and I, you know that Shelly sends out a uh, weekly update every Wednesday. We've moved it to Tuesday since the program now moved to Wednesday afternoon. Uh, weekly update where she tells you about what we're doing what we've done, what we're doing, and what we plan to do. Um, so it keeps them informed, keeps you, if you're a subscriber, informed. Now, the lead magnet is interesting because people feel like it's necessary uh, to create something documentable, like a PDF file, but it can be anything. It could be a copy of this presentation. So if you download this presentation, we're going to ask you for an email address. Um, it can be something that you've transcribed. We could take this presentation, transcribe it, edit it, and turn it into a lead magnet called leveraging your content. So there's lots of ways to do it. Now, there is one kind of cool option. There are several companies out there and they refer to themselves as PLR companies. The one that we use is PLR.me. PLR stands for private label rights. They have professionals who create very good looking content, both graphically and text-wise. Uh, and they sell it to you for a reasonable price. I mean, it's very inexpensive in terms of the in the in the in comparison to the number of hours you would have to spend in creating the same content. 
but you basically pay them for it and then you can label it with your own logo. That's the whole private label rights. It's not copyrighted. You do have to buy it from them, but uh, you have private label rights and you can put your labeling on them and, uh, and turn it into a lead magnet for yourself. Shelly? That's it. Okay. Uh, finally, um, this, uh, I don't know, this is necessarily the last recommendation. Now, the product that we're using right now to conduct this presentation, the product that we use to communicate with our clients, uh, our suspects, prospects, and clients is something called StreamYard. StreamYard is an online, online streaming application, but it also enables you to be, it enables uh, you to use it as a communications tool. So if I wanted, if you called me or you texted me and said, I'd like to talk more about your presentation, I would send you an invitation uh, to this product. Now, we wouldn't stream, we wouldn't record it, but we could use this product in order to have a conversation with you. Uh, we got to StreamYard after several years of experimenting with a variety of live streaming tools, including some that resided on our desktop computers and some that resided online. The reason we, end up, we ended up at StreamYard was because it has everything we need at this point, and it's a fair price, and it's easy to learn and use. Now, uh, we are so confident in its use and we're so happy with how it performs that we actually recommend it to people. So when people ask us, what what would you recommend I use for a streaming tool? I would say we would recommend StreamYard as a streaming tool and as a communications tool, right? A way to engage your suspects, prospects, and customers because you don't have to stream with it. Um, this is its pricing model. There is a free version and the limitation on the free version, aside from all the extra benefits is that you can stream up to 20 hours a month. So that's and a lot of streaming. And it doesn't record. And it doesn't record, right. You don't, you can't record it. And you have six screen on-screen participants. But using it for a while, you can use it as long as you want at this free level, gives you the opportunity to learn it and use it uh, in a learning way. Uh, so it's okay if you're making mistakes, et cetera. You can, you've got everything you need to live stream. Uh, you can only live stream to one platform at mm -hmm. a time. Yeah. yeah. So it does have its limitations. The, the next level up, and these are the annual prices. Uh, the next level up is the basic. So you can unlimited streaming, 10 on-screen participants, uh, recording four-hour streams, and you can go up to three destinations. This is the level we have. We have the professional, uh, no StreamYard branding, 10 on-screen participants, overlays, backgrounds, full HD, and uh, uh, it doesn't say how many streaming... Uh, Streaming destinations. It's oh, there it is. Multi-stream to eight destinations plus custom RTMP destinations. So when you say, uh, here's the links I want to have, it gives you this full page worth of choices on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, etc. LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Do you have that? Uh, it doesn't have Amazon, for example. So you would add that as an RSS stream and eventually they pick up on it. And that's the other thing about StreamYard is they continue to make improvements to the product. They're very good. Uh, they have a Facebook page. And when people on the Facebook say, page say, how do I do this? And they don't have an answer for it. You see that improvement added to the list of improvements. So we strongly recommended um, and we... Uh, you strongly recommend you start at the free level and then grow into the plans as you uh, grow and get more comfortable with the product. And, and you have to look at it from our perspective, $39 a month, which is the annual subscription. 
uh, annualized subscription broken down in 12 months, um, the amount of time it saves us is way more than the $39 a month that we pay them. Uh, so you cannot, the number of, if I imagine the amount of time I would have to spend uh, in either a studio or an edit bay getting the same result. Um, and as Shelly mentioned, when we decided to do this, we were going to record it. And then we brought up the point of like, uh, but then we have to upload it to, you know, eight different Facebook pages, two different YouTube channels. We have to or, fill or in the blanks. Or show a uh, premiere. That or show as a premiere, right. Yeah. So um, this way, the amount of time it saved us by just doing it online, letting it stream to those eight things uh, was much better for us, saved us a tremendous amount of time, certainly more than its monthly fee of $39 a month. Let's see. Show Let's see. Sergeep Girl Shodi says, I've been in a professional position doing accounting and office management for over 30 years, including HR and sales, but it all comes down to customers and customer service. So, uh, so from my point of view. So that's true. That's absolutely true. And more than customer service, now you have to start thinking about customer experience. And she's got a second follow-up. What does she say? This is great. Oh, in my point of view, this is great stuff and good information, guys. I love it. And I can see the hard work you've put into these ideas. Hard work and time, but uh, time uh, we like using for these purposes. We feel like it's productive time uh, when we build these kinds of presentations for our clients, for our viewers. Did you want to add anything to that? No. Okay. So uh, finally, uh, how do you organize for the post-digital age? And this is whether you have a big company with a marketing department, or this is just you. The three things that you should focus on in terms of marketing are number one, content, man uh, content production and distribution. You saw the chart on how you do it. That's the first thing. The second thing is a good email management application where you have uh, your email list, your uh, email service, and your uh, landing, I'm sorry, landing page, um, lead, magnet. lead magnet and email service. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the triumvirate of, uh, email management, uh, when I describe it. And then finally online client engagement, that means everything you do with your client should be face to face. And what I mean by face to face is you're in one location, they're in another, and you're engaging using a communications tool like the one we're using today. Shall I? That's right. And again, we discussed how uh, when you do that, when you engage with video and uh, see, you know, each other rather than just hearing each other on the phone, you've got that extra uh, level of engagement and that takes you up to the transformation and relationship that much quicker. And here's another thing. Uh, one of our recent clients uh, had decided for her own reasons not to get vaccinated. And that put us in the funny position of how do we do this without uh, without being in contact with her? And we just decided this is the way we're going to do this. And it worked out fine uh, because we didn't want to put ourselves at, at, at risk. And we're not going to disagree. Those are choices that, you know, each of us has to make individually. Uh, but because we have this tool, we didn't have to come in physical contact with her. So it was, uh, was kind of neat. All right, Shelly. 
just want to share this last item with you. If this is interesting to you and you want additional uh, training on how to become a producer of uh, content, then go to agkmedia.studio and we have a free mini course available to you there. It's uh, five short videos that you can work your way through and uh, helps you to uh, present your expertise and services and uh, in a format like we do and we teach how it's done so go to agkmedia.studio for that free training All right, let's say our goodbyes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for watching and listening today. We hope that this information has provided some insight for you. If we can further help you answer any more questions or guide you on your way to becoming a content producer, then please uh, get in touch with us. Our phone number is 505-750-2744. Or you can um, write to us at support at agkmedia.studio. John, we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for joining us today. We know this was kind of a surprise, um, but we felt like uh, we wanted to do this for, the, for our audience uh, because they wouldn't have otherwise gotten a chance to see this uh, presentation. And as I said, uh, if you want to download the presentation, get those other uh, pieces uh, that you might be hearing in the podcast but not seeing. Uh, the um, the place to download it is... Uh, in the show notes. In the show notes. Uh, bit.ly slash agkprez, P-R-E-S. Thanks for watching today. Thank you.